Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we're going to have a lovely trip today with Robin Jackson. And um, Robin, your basic, um, uh, your basic message is um, to have children have good etiquette and good behavior. Yes. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for having me. Um, My pleasure. I own a business called the Civility School, and I teach actually both children and adults uh, social skills and modern manners and some traditional etiquette. I see. So it it goes from uh, four years of age to 104? Absolutely, and beyond. That's right. Good. What's the oldest person you've had? Um, I wouldn't know exactly how old he is, but in some of my workshops, you know, I have people who have worked uh, at what they've been doing for 30 or 40 years. I see. Yeah. So in my, I think one of my last business workshops, I had a gentleman who had been um, reared to be very chivalrous toward women, and we, we had a whole conversation about, you know, kind of the difference between um, chivalry in social situations and chivalry in business situations. Uh-huh. It's really interesting. Yes. Do you ever have a, a group where it's a four-year-old to, let's say, 90-year-old in the same, same room, or do you... I have not had that, although I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. Maybe not four-year-olds, but it would be interesting maybe to have 14-year-olds yeah. and 90-year-olds in the same room because the way they see things and the way, obviously, they've experienced life thus far um, is really different. Yeah, so each age group, the two extremes of the age groups, they can yeah. very well learn from each other. Absolutely. But the great thing about the way we teach social skills and the way we teach etiquette at the civility school uh-huh. is that we really have a big emphasis on empathy and trying to always think about how our behavior is affecting other people. 
Um, so it's not just a rote memorization of etiquette rules. It's more yeah. of a um, an examination of the way our behavior affects other people. So yeah. you could easily teach a 14-year-old and a 94-year-old um, some of those methods in the same class. Yes. So before we get into more detail, would you please um, tell our listeners a little bit about your growing up, what you liked as a child, and how you ended up? Sure. Sure, I'd love to. Um, Currently, you know, I I was um, an only child of parents who, at the time, would have been considered older parents. Now they wouldn't, but. so I really, I think as a child, I was very contemplative, and I used to watch other people and wonder why they were doing the things that they were doing, and um, always thinking about how other people's behavior affected me or how my behavior affected other people. I think I was maybe sometimes a little bit too self-aware, um, but it, it just it gave me a real interest in observing people and the way they behave. Um, I went on to become a teacher, um, taught middle school and high school, went on to become a counselor. So I have my master's degree in counselor education, Uh counseled children, counseled uh, teenagers, have counseled some adults, ultimately went into some high-risk counseling uh, with Uh teenagers, and then went on to have three children of my own uh-huh. and saw how really teaching social skills, which I had done a lot through my, through my career, was very important with my own children. I always yeah. assumed, you know, of course, they would, be, they would just come into this world with, with excellent social skills. And that's really not, sometimes it's true. Some people pick them up faster than others. Um, and, and I was interested in combining social skills training with uh-huh. etiquette instruction because that's what I was doing with my own children. And I was interested in doing it in such a way that whatever I taught was able to be, was, a, was changeable to the environment. And I think that's really important because what works here where I am in central Virginia may not work in New York City, may not work in Singapore, may not work in California. So I think teaching people to be aware of their environment uh-huh. is, is every bit as important as being aware of how they're acting. So how do you think um, it might be different, let's say, from New York to uh, living in Virginia? Well, one, it's just kind of interesting but very concrete example yeah. is the use uh, by children of the term yes sir or yes ma'am. I see. No sir. No ma'am. In parts of the South, it's expected of children. Children are considered really actually being, you know, they're being rude if they don't use that. Yeah. Um, whereas I know of many people who just find that irritating and even worse than irritating. They just don't want to hear children say yes, sir, and, and uh, no, sir, to them. They feel like it's really obsequious, and they just don't like it. So that's one thing where, you know, in one part of the country, it may be considered absolutely vital, yes. and in another part of the country, just awful. You know, just it could really bother people to hear that used. So, you know, teaching people these little things, and, and then just cultural differences, any of those things, um, it's really important because we're not always going to walk into situations where we know exactly what's expected of us. 
Yes. I know as a, when I was a teenager, and maybe even earlier, when, um, when people, adults wanted me to call them Mr. So-and-so or Miss, Mrs. So-and-so, that seemed so foreign to me because in my, in my interaction with my parents' friends, I would just talk to them with their first name. Yes, that's right. And it seems right. really weird not doing it that way, but I can well, appreciate in other countries, in other co- I mean, other parts of the country, it's just the opposite. Exactly. And, and, and for some adults, it may not even be weird. It could actually, they could consider it rude for you to start calling them Mr. and using their last name. Yes. They could think that, you know, it just is not being familiar enough. So I think knowing how to establish that as a child or even as an adult um, it's really important not just to assume that everyone has the same expectations yes. that you were reared with or that you have yourself. Yes. So with people, with both children and, and adults, I often say, you know, you are not them, they are not you. You need to get beyond what you're expecting and figure out what the other people are expecting. So um, which way did you grow up with the, when you were a kid? You, we would say... I would say that I was in the middle. I would say that for being reared in Virginia as I was, I I was not taught that I had to use yes ma'am, but I did know that there were certain neighbors and certain uh, parents of my friends who expected it. Uh-huh. And so I learned because I was a sensitive kind of over overly of I overly thought things, I really learned to pick up on that. Uh-huh. You know, I really learned I was a little hypersensitive, so I learned to pick up um, from my surroundings and to see what people expected of me and to kind of make that uh, that work. And yeah. I think I think it's an important skill if you don't overdo it. You know, of course, you want to keep your values uh, the same no matter where you are. But I think there are certain social cues that you need to learn to pick up on and to accommodate and to change your behavior um, in the right ways. Yeah, so when you, um, so when you have people coming to your workshops mm-hmm. and trainings, um, yes. frequently it's a big um, mixing match where there's all kinds of people with different kinds of ways they, they do it. Absolutely, and we have a lot of really good healthy debate sometimes, especially uh-huh. with adults. When you have an adult who's been taught by his mother or father or grandfather to do something a certain way and that is ringing in their their ears for their whole entire lives, um, they expect that they're going to do it that way regardless of what other people expect. Um, and I don't know that that's always helpful. So I'll, I'll go back to the example of, of chivalry. Yeah. Um, this this gentleman who I was working with said that he absolutely, even in business situations, um, would always pull out a chair for a woman. Uh-huh. So if he, if he was going on a business lunch uh, with 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 someone, maybe even someone who was opposing him in some way in a business deal, uh-huh. he would still pull out her chair um, and even order for her. Yeah. So it's a difficult thing to say. To this man, well, in a business situation, that probably is not going to be appreciated. Um, he said, "You know, my mother taught me to do this. I continue. I plan on continuing this." 
Uh-huh. And it's interesting. So it's interesting to have these conversations with people. It often, you know, it's a very emotional um, conversation sometimes. Yes. So um, I'm looking at your, um, I'm looking at my, my uh, screen from my computer, and I'm looking at the Civility School. Do you yeah. want to mention that in particular? And yeah. So the Civility what you do? Sure. The Civility School, as we discussed, I, I teach small children. I've had three-year-olds, uh, and I teach adults. So I teach modern manners, which uh-huh. is a real combination of empathy training and etiquette instruction. I also teach a class called Foundations to Mannerly Behavior, which is a real um, work. It's a workshop for for children who might be a little bit more impulsive. Maybe they've been diagnosed with ADHD. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're just simply very impulsive children. But they have a problem with impulse control that's kind of getting in the way of them uh, behaving politely because you have to learn impulse control before you can start, you know, using some rules of manner. Yeah. Manner. So we, we have that class. We also teach adults in uh, professional etiquette. We do a lot with customer service etiquette. And then I took over an existing business, which was a very traditional cotillion here in Virginia, the Jefferson Cotillion. Uh-huh. And we run that. We have a cotillion season every October through December. That's a little bit more traditional, although we've, we've thrown in lots of modern, um, I guess I should say nods to modern culture. Girls ask boys to dance. We don't wear white gloves anymore, but we do learn some real good um, basic dance steps and some, some good traditional okay. etiquette. So, uh- Everything you've mentioned in the last couple of minutes, I've written some notes down. So um, when did uh, the cotillion phenomenon begin? Well, here in central Virginia, the Jefferson Cotillion uh, started, this is actually our 35th year. Uh You know, there have been cotillions, especially in the south and and really in this part of Virginia for for hundreds of years. Uh Um, This particular one, though, is is one of the oldest in this area, uh, continuing cotillions. Yes. And it's really a great opportunity for children, they're, they're middle school children, generally 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, um, to learn to be around each other, girls and boys, to learn to be around each other in an atmosphere where we actually talk about what it's like to be around somebody yes. of the opposite sex, how you ask somebody to dance, how you say, no, thank you, I don't want to dance. Um, that must be really awkward for both. It, I, well, especially... Especially for the boys, I think, in the beginning, because oh, yeah. as, as we all know, girls tend to, especially at that age, be a little bit more advanced. And I say that lovingly as the mother of three boys. Yes. Um, they tend to be a little bit more advanced in that regard. Um, but you know what? It's the place for that to happen. It's the place for that awkwardness uh, to be handled gently. And that's what we do. We handle it gently and mildly and with a little bit of a sense of humor. And, and it's, uh, it's a fun thing. It isn't what I necessarily set out to do when I opened the civility school, but certainly wanted to see it continue. And yeah. uh, the great people who had run it for years uh, were moving on to do some different things. So it's yeah. been a nice complement to the more maybe modern, contemporary work I do with my other classes. Yes. So if we just stay with the cotillion thing for a moment... When mm-hmm. I was a kid 
in the 1950s. I knew this girl who was involved with Cotillion. I'd never heard of it before she mentioned it. Uh-huh. And then when I heard about it, I had this very adversive kind of reaction. Boy, I wouldn't want to be doing this. <laughs> it just seemed like uh, like Martians almost. Well, and, right. But as I got older and I learned a little bit more about it, I thought it was a really great idea. Yeah. I never well, joined it, but I can imagine if I had other guys around who wanted to do it, I probably would have enjoyed it. Well, that's the really interesting thing is that you watch these, especially the boys, they come into it reluctantly, um, some really fearfully. They yeah. don't want to be in there. They do not want to touch a girl. They do not want to have to put on a, you know, a jacket and, and something other than tennis shoes. Yeah. Um, but then you watch them as, as the weeks go on, you find them smiling and by the end, they, I think they have fun. Uh, they, they, we have a big ball, a dinner dance at the end, and the children bring a parent yes. and show off their skills and dance with the parent and have a dinner where they practice their dining skills that we've, that we've taught. Yes. So, so then um, in the 1990s, I started uh, knowing kids who uh, were involved with Cotillion and uh, they really liked it. Yeah. And, I mean, that was in the 1990s. Who would have thought? Exactly. Right? I mean, I think a lot of people feel like uh, some of those more traditional uh, skills, yeah. like ballroom dancing, uh, learning how to eat in a in a fine establishment, those kinds of things, have really gone by the wayside. Um, but they haven't. Yeah, there's still occasions to use that kind of um, instruction. And moreover, it's instruction about life. When you learn how to say yes to a dance or to ask someone to dance or to ask if someone wants a glass of water, you're learning skills that really do help for the rest of your life. Yes. We're coming up for a, um, a commercial break. So we'll come back in about um, a minute and a half or two minutes. Great. All right. Everybody stand by, and we'll be back with more chivalry. Thank you. And etiquette. Great. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. 
SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. We're back with Robin Jackson, who's the etiquette lady, I'm calling her. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a cough here. <coughs> so uh, during the break, I was mentioning to Robin this, this wonderful picture of these two young kids, Matthew Palumbo and Amelia Park. Yes. And I, I imagine he's about 13 or 12 and she's about the same age, I guess. Yes. They were, they were in last year's cotillion season, and for all of my classes, I try to find a way to reward really exemplary behavior. Sometimes that's really hard because I have a lot of students who work very hard in what they do. So in my cotillion classes, I have a cotillion cup. Yeah. Uh, they win an actual pewter Jefferson cup. It's very, very Virginian um, yeah. for for really showing respect to other people in cotillion for trying hard, even when it's embarrassing, you know, getting up there and trying a dance move they've never tried before. But I really look for for courtesy to others. That's really what we are always looking for. Someone who has integrity and kind of stands uh, up to poor behavior, who, who... who is a constant source of, of kindness in a class. Yeah. And both of these students did this. Both of them would volunteer. Both of them were incredibly thoughtful. Um, the young lady, Amelia, at one point had poison ivy and was thoughtful and thought to wear rubber gloves. Oh, she, you know, she wore rubber gloves on her hand that had the poison ivy for the for whole her. class so people wouldn't have to see it or touch it. And um, I do the same in all of my modern manners classes. We In each of my uh, small modern manners classes, I give a civility in action award to one student for each session. Yes. And what I'm looking for is somebody who exemplifies the civility school motto, which is for the comfort and convenience of others. Yes. So when I have a student in class who is helpful toward his or her classmates, who um, volunteers to maybe practice some of the the, the um, homework assignments I give, who, who does extra practice, whose parents report really lovely behavior at home in the family, um, they're usually the ones who win this award. Yes. And I'd like to talk a little bit about what I do in these modern manners classes. Well, um, before you do that. Yeah, hang, sure. Hang on a minute. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to make a statement, and you tell me if this is pretty much correct or not correct. All right. It appears to me 
that three of the main things you want to accomplish with these human beings, whether they're four-year-olds or 94-year-olds, you want them to have kindness, courtesy, and empathy. Yeah, I think that pretty much... Um, it's like all three are real important, and they... they they're all, really important. They all mesh with each other, but they're all separate also. Yeah, and I think the empathy part... Um, really also brings with it awareness. I want people to be aware of their surroundings and of the way that they're affecting other people because I think a lot of people feel as long as they exhibit, quote-unquote, good etiquette, so they know how to say please, they know how to say thank you, they probably know how to write a thank you letter. Yes. They don't necessarily go beyond that. You know, so they, they yeah. can check things off a list. Um, but I'm not sure that's what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who can really anticipate the needs of others, rise to the occasion, and um, and be a person of integrity in yes. a way that that maybe just learning the rules of etiquette won't won't right. accomplish. So, of the three things: kindness, courtesy, and empathy. Yes, it seems to me that empathy is something you really can't fake. I mean, you can try to fake it, but it wouldn't come across as... No, you're right. And uh, what I'm thinking about is that there could be a four-year-old who is lacking empathy for various reasons, but there can be an adult who is also stilted in some ways with empathy. Yes. So my question to you is, mm -hmm. how do you if you do at all, I assume you do, what do you do to help people uh, amp up their um, real empathy, not their phony empathy? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. So first, you want to make sure that the person, is, is the student, whether it's a child or an adult, is really capable of, of, of feeling feelings of empathy. Yes. So if they're not, um, usually they're receiving services elsewhere, but I, I work with a, with a fair number of especially children who have various um, issues where empathy is not one of their strong points. Uh-huh. And what, what we do is, is work hard on helping them recognize social cues from others uh-huh. um, and, then, and then teach them some really appropriate responses to the social cues that they're receiving. Now, with, with, and with four-year-olds, we don't expect them to have, um, you know, four-year-olds are pretty, are still very egocentric. But what we do with four-year-olds and with young children is just to simply set them on the right track, to have them be aware on a regular basis of of, of how their act of how their actions are affecting other people in the small group, yes. or if I'm working with them individually, how their actions or behaviors are affecting me personally, and then always trying to point out to them finding uh, you know I ask parents to find ways to always ask children how they think other people are feeling, to guess how other people are feeling. Because yes. what, what happens is uh, that starts to really exercise that empathy muscle. Yes. Now, with, with adults who, who really, for various reasons, have kind of a stunted uh, uh, empathy, empathetic strength, yes. um, there, you can do a lot of the same types things, you know, constantly getting them to think about other people and, and, and pointing out um, how, how other people are feeling around them is a really important part of it. Now, it's harder with adults 
because obviously they can take great offense at that. Um, so sometimes you just give them assignments, things that they can do in their own, on their own in their family or, or in other uh, parts of their lives. But it's important because I don't know that everybody has given a lot of thought to that. You know, yes. empathy is not necessarily something that we work on in our society. Yes. I would um, imagine that um, the human beings starting off as infants, mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they have secure attachment bonds with their parents, they're much more likely to have empathy. Yes. If they have attachment bond ruptures that don't get repaired, they're going to have a problem with empathy. Absolutely. And Absolutely. then hopefully some of these parents get help for the, for themselves and their kids. Yeah, and that's where really I I sometimes have to refer on to yeah. to a mental health professional, someone who can work with them on a deeper level. Yes. And, you know, with, with some children, as I saw this as a guidance counselor and as a high-risk counselor, um, there are times that you can do empathy training, and then there are other times where they need to, you can't take away their, what they've been using as their defense mechanism, yes. you know, and, and you can't uh, strip them of that if they're still in a situation where where life is, is um, tough. Right. So it's, it's important before I start working with somebody to find out some of those things, yes. um, especially with, with young children or children whose backgrounds are, are, are a little rocky. And I've had some of those children, um, and usually I work in conjunction with a mental health specialist. Yeah. And I would imagine that a uh, sizable, sizable proportion of the young kids Mm-hmm. Even you know, at four years old or five years old, do have empathy and do something really sweet for another kid who's having a problem. Yes. Like if they're trying to play catch and the, one of the kids just can't catch the ball, the other kid might even get closer to the other yes. kid and almost just hand him the ball back and forth. Yeah, and, and, and what, we, what we do in our classes is really applaud that. So we really work on modeling and shaping really positive behavior. Yeah, that sounds um, beautiful. It just really sounds great. Well, it is great, and that's the great thing about working in these small groups is that we have the chance to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really a fun, it's fun. Yeah, and I notice here, um, I'm looking at my screen, you also uh, help the kids, and I assume adults do at times, issues around borrowing and lending. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there are especially, well, it's interesting, the, the worst issues, especially when, I, when you get to the tween ages, you know, maybe uh, 8 to 12, um, are really more family, you know, siblings borrowing, quote-unquote, and sharing within a family. So one of, the, the, one of my more fun units, at least I think it's fun, yeah. is uh, within that age group, the 9 to 12-year-old classes, we do a, a civil family citizen contest. Uh-huh. So we spend a class talking about what it's like to be a civil family member, what it means to be part of a family, yes. uh, that a family is a team, and what would you do on your other teams, and, and what is, you know, how should we treat each other in a family? And then I have an actual list of civil family behaviors. Uh-huh. And we have a contest, and we see who can exhibit uh, the the highest number of those behaviors. Sometimes I have siblings in the same class, and they'll have a three day contest at home. Uh-huh. And 
it's a great example of positive peer pressure because they're they're actually working hard to show that they know how not to interrupt, how Uh to knock on a door before they enter it, how to introduce friends to their parents and siblings when they have friends over, Uh um, how to, if if a sibling asks to be left alone, to honor that request, things like that. So the borrowing and lending really uh, seems to have the most impact in those family situations. Yes. So when, um, when my sister and I were young, on rare occasions, uh, we'd have a game with our parents where uh, my sister, sister and I, we'd, we'd sit at the, I'd sit where my father would normally sit, and she, my sister, would sit where mother normally sat, and then the two adults, my father would sit where I normally sat. <laughs> and then, so my sister and I, we would be the, the father and mother, we'd be uh, admonishing the kids. And uh, we found it to be very fun. But also, we learn from that. What a great idea. Yeah, it's really, it's really steal fun. That. May have to steal that as an idea in, in my family, uh, civil family citizen workshop. It's a great idea. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I think it's good for perspective, uh, yeah. lending perspective to each other's roles in the family. Yeah. And when my sister and I did it as, as the parents, you know, we would be exaggerating, of course. Of course. And for my parents who were playing the kids, they would exaggerate, too. So we have a lot of laughs around it. Well, Anne, what you're doing is, uh, yeah, it's exaggeration, but yeah. you're seeing maybe how you do actually come across to other people. Oh, definitely. And we do that, a lot of that, actually, too, in, our, in the classes. We do a lot of role-playing. Yeah. And, uh, again, it's fun when you have siblings in the same class because they, we do that sometimes. We'll switch it up. And uh, they do get a chance to see how they're coming across to each other. And it's, it's a nice way to... It's a nice way to, to really drive a point home that your yes. behavior maybe is affecting people in a way other than you than you're thinking it does. Yeah. So um, there's this woman who I she she's an etiquette lady, and I get her emails. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I get them. And I, so I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. So she was saying that when you're at least in a formal kind of setting and you're eating. You have your left hand holding the fork, your right hand holding the knife as you cut the food. Mm-hmm. And so, um, is it is it bad etiquette to put down the knife, then exchange the left hand fork to the right hand, and then mm-hmm. stab the food <laughs> and put it in your mouth? Does that really matter? No, that's actually, that is a North American way of eating. That's, that's you know, that's the, uh, the continental way is, 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 is continuing to hold, so you would con- you is the opposite. But the way that you just described is the way that North Americans eat. Yeah. So unless you're, unless you're in another country uh, and you want to fit right in, Doing it that way, putting down your knife and, and holding your fork with your right hand is exactly what we do. Okay, so then the other part of it is supposedly one out of nine people is left-handed. Yes. So those people shouldn't be having their knife in their left hand and their fork in their right hand. But they can. They can do that. It's actually, I'm very, um, some people are, are extremely strict on that point. Yeah. 
I don't. I don't think there's a. I don't really think there's an issue there. Well, I agree um, with you. Yeah, because you know, again, it's um, it's like so many other things. It, it that really is not uh, the yeah. point. Now, if you start picking your food up with your fingers, yes, uh, and it's not a finger food, that might be an issue. If you start eating off your knife, that might be an issue. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're comfortable, if you're left-handed and you're comfortable doing it with your with your left hand, I think by all means you should. Yeah. So let's say with a four-year-old, whichever hand they use for their fork or knife, uh, I would assume the four-year-old, as opposed to the 14-year-old, the four-year-old is more likely to have some food drop in their lap on occasion. Yes. So and when that happens, what do you do... So it doesn't uh, doesn't make the kid look like they're an oaf. Well, you know that accidents happen. So I teach this in the class all the time. Good. The biggest the biggest point is that you don't ever point it out. So if you're sitting at a table, not unless you're a parent and you need to point something out. Yes. But you never point it out to other people. So if I had a group of four year olds or you know, at a table and one child dropped food on in his or her lap uh-huh. and another child said something, I would say, Who has poor who has the worst manners here? Yes. Is it the person who dropped the food accidentally? Yes. Or is it the person pointing it out? Um and, and so you know that you will everyone will at some point drop food in his or her lap. That's why yeah, we put a napkin in our lap. Yeah. And and routinely I have uh, what I call difficult food dinners. So I serve things that are a little bit difficult to eat and I make the student the students set the table uh-huh. and, and then I serve some difficult foods and, and inevitably, probably one out of every three classes a child will spill his or her drink. And it's a big lesson in not in remaining calm, not yes. pointing it out, uh-huh. we clean it up. We change the, uh, if we have to, we change the tablecloth. I remain very calm. I'm not judgmental in the least, and we move on. Yes. Because it's it's much worse to have someone call attention to it, someone to correct you. It's never right to correct someone else's poor manners, unless they ask for it or unless you're their parent yes. and that's your job. So it sounds very Sounds very kind, actually. Well, and I think I think that is the point: is that kindness is always better than being right. So there's yeah. a great story about Queen Victoria, and Queen Victoria at some point had a Rush, uh, excuse me, Russian, an African chief as her guest of honor. Yes. And they served a very formal dinner, and after the entree was cleared, a finger bowl was set down, and this chief had never seen a finger bowl. Yeah. So he looked at it, and he picked it up, and he drank directly from the finger bowl. Yeah. Uh, everyone looked at Queen Victoria. She looked at her finger bowl yes. and picked it up and drank from it. Good for her. That's, and to me, that is the epitome of, of fine manners. Yes. That, is, that is what we're going for. Um, yes. Being right and, and, and pointing out other people's uh, very small, insignificant faults is really not a sign of, yeah. of uh, civility in my I agree. Book. I think we're coming up for our second and last commercial break. Great. So hang on, everybody. All right. And we'll come back. Thank you. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. Legal Shield, total access. 
Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. My guest is Robin Jackson. She's the etiquette lady, and I think she has a very good um, approach to what she does. Well, uh, thank you. Robin, would you like people to be able to call you or have your, get you through your email? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've had lots of requests uh, for... Uh, from other folks, people who would really like to see the civility school in other parts of the country. Uh-huh. So if this is something that's of interest to anyone, um, there is a, a subscription uh, area on our website. It's www.thecivilityschool.com. The, and the, the, beg your pardon? The, the Civility School. Yes, with a the, T-H-E, The yeah. Civility School. Yeah. .com. .com. And I would love to hear from people if you're interested in learning more about the Civility School, if you'd just like to be kept up to date on where we're expanding, okay. or if this is something you would like to help bring to your area, we would love to hear from you. Right. And would you like to have them be able to call you or just use the email? Um, either way is fine. All my contact information is on the website. Um, I would also love to have some more Facebook fans. Uh, okay. we're, we've got, I, I think, over 600 now, but we're really uh-huh. aiming for at least 1,000. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. I have uh, a question now on our Facebook page, your most embarrassing social moment. And I would love to get some more response there. Okay, we'll, we'll 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 look at that in a minute. So, um, are you trying to um, have this civility school throughout the entire world, or just North America, or just the United States? Well, I think we would start in the United States. Okay. Um, I think it's a great combination of 
social skills training, etiquette training, um, and I've seen it work. I've really seen some children who were having a hard time, having a hard time fitting in in certain social situations. I've seen some big positive um, results. Yes. And so I think it's a, it's a great thing. It's a nice combination of, of, of refining really great behavior yes. and improving behavior that just isn't where a child wants it to be. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, do you, would you like to have a civility school in every state of the union? Well, of course I would. I think, I think it would be a great thing. Okay, and then, um, of course, in some states like California where I am, there can be many of them because it's a huge state. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how does one, if, they want to, if somebody wants to um, start a civility school, or you know, it would be under your heading, but... Yes, they should contact, contact me. We, we are um, right now in the works of, of, of refining all of our curriculum. Uh-huh. Um, we will have it available. Uh, there will be a, a, a great amount of help with setup with each civility school. Yes. Um, so absolutely, if anyone is interested, they should contact me directly at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at thecivilityschool.com or... Go to our website, go to our Facebook page, and I will get back with them. Okay, good. So, um, and how long have you been doing this? This is my fifth year. Your um, fifth year? And, but a lot of the things that I've been doing, I've been working with kids with for, for a number of years. So, as a, when I was a guidance counselor... I found myself doing a lot of social skills training. Yes. Uh, sometimes things as simple as, as, as sustaining eye contact. Oh, yeah. Other, other times it might be something a little bit more difficult. It might be something where a child truly has a very hard time uh, maintaining a conversation, yes. uh, avoiding sensitive subjects. But I've worked on social skills training for years. Um, but combining it with the etiquette training and, and in, under the realm of the civility school, that we're going into our fifth year. Uh-huh. And um, have you considered at some point having a yearly convention or meeting somewhere? Absolutely. That's a, oh, that's a big part of, of what, we're, what we're working toward, uh, is finding a group of like-minded people yes. who would want to... Uh, help us with this and of course we would get together and and share ideas see what's working what isn't working and work to really create a well-refined program uh-huh. that works throughout the country yes that sounds exciting yeah it is exciting so you mentioned I'm, I'm looking at your website you have private instruction yes and uh who would be good candidates for private instruction as opposed to group instruction? I get a lot. I have actually a fair number of private students, and these can be students who who um, maybe are homeschooled. They have time during the day. The parents would like to see them having the the instruction that I do in group classes, but they've yeah, already yeah. filled that time. So, I meet with homeschooled children. Um, I meet with children who 
who before they attend a modern manners classes, their parents feel like they could use a, uh, really some lessons in some very basic social skills. So I'll do some basic social skill instruction. I also do things uh, we will prepare for college interviews, prepare for other uh, admissions interviews into secondary schools, anywhere where a child needs to be at his or her best in a public setting or, excuse me, a social setting. I see. So I know a woman who, um, she's in Southern California where I am, and she um, has a business where she helps uh, high school students find the right college for themselves. That's a great, as a mom of a rising senior, that is a, that is a wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, but business. she starts with these kids in the, in the ninth grade or so. Yes. So um, I don't know if she wants to work with people outside of California, but if she does, I could contact her. You. That would be lovely. Yeah, we um, yeah. and I've done some of that. I've worked with some other folks who who uh, run these the the these these uh, counseling programs, college counseling programs, yeah, and, and I'll work on, usually on the social skill component or the dining etiquette component. Some of the students, some of the student athletes who are being recruited um, by by schools. I've also worked with a, with a number of athletic teams. Sometimes coaches would like their students, their student athletes to have better social skills, yes. would like their students to be ready for big time recruiters. And that's, that's a lot of fun. It's really yes. fun to get some uh, athletes who maybe have not had the time in their, in their in their teenage years to work on these things to really start focusing on things like dining skills or uh, conversational skills. Yes. So um, in, in, in Southern California where I am, I know one of the local uh, high school football coaches. And um, what he does, he not only takes care of his athletes, but he has a lot of students who, aren't, who are never going to get into uh, college with a scholarship, but he still helps them find a nice school. This Which is great. I, I mean, I think she helps. that's coaching at its best. That's true coaching. Yeah. yeah. So the next thing I wanted to mention, because you have this on your civility school um, layout here, you have business and organizational workshops. Yes. And who's that for usually? Um, it, 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 it's really for anyone who works with the public in any way. Uh-huh. So anyone who needs to or feels that their customer service could use a little bit of tweaking, yes. it's a great thing. I also have worked with companies who feel like just within their organization, they could work at being kinder to one another. So working on that company culture to see that some of the maybe uh, the points of um, – human interactions that sometimes we leave behind when we're really busy get, yeah. get reinstituted into that company culture. We'll actually come up with a company culture plan, a plan for the company um, to follow so that the, the employees are getting along better, communicating better, you know, right down to we'll, we'll discuss things like, you know, uh, uh, small talk in cubicles. You know, sometimes you'll have people yeah. who wander from cubicle to cubicle finding someone to make small talk with, and you find that that's causing great discord among amongst employees. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I've, done, I've done a good deal of that as well. Okay, so I'm looking on my screen here, and it mentions uh, business etiquette. Yes. 
So um, uh, the way it seems to be with uh, Asian countries, if, uh, if you're a U.S. person and you get a business card from the Asian person, yeah. you shouldn't put the card in your back pocket. No, no. But a lot of people don't even know, know that. Well, and you really actually shouldn't put it in your back pocket in any culture. Yeah. Um, when someone hands you a business card, they're really handing you a small little, almost a, a photograph of themselves. Yeah. And so the kind and the mannerly thing to do is to take a moment, yeah. look it over, make a comment, ask a question, uh-huh. and then to put it in a place of, of, of more um, of a of, of more honor, maybe put it in your wallet or say, I'd like to keep this on my desk, something other than yes. just sticking it in your back pocket. It, um, so re- I think regardless of where you are, if someone hands you a business card, you need to take the time to look at it and to make a comment. If you don't have the time right in that moment, you know, even to make a comment like, oh, I, I really look forward to reading this and and finding out more about your business. But, yes. but no, sticking it in your back pocket is not the thing to do. Yeah. And, of course, when people make the uh, faux pas, they can learn from it and oh, sure. go on their good way. Sure. And that's one of the biggest um, lessons, again, is that none of us is perfect. But, but we want to learn to better our human interactions. And so maybe noting... If you're, if you're well aware of other people's social cues, if you note that they look a little <laughs> dissatisfied as you stick their, their, your, their uh, calling card in your back pocket, yes. you may want to make a note yes. to self to not do that again. So uh, one of the things you have written down is written correspondence, but it seems to me as the years go forward, uh, being able to write well is a... Uh, a rare event these days. It is, and it's something that the Civility School is really trying to to bring back into vogue. I, I recommend that every student have his or her own writing paper. It doesn't yes. have to be expensive, just something that they have at their disposal yes. that they round up and have, even if it's typing paper, even if it's, you know, whatever they can get together. They have a black or blue pen, yes. and that they understand how to write a, a, a letter. Um, and that they understand that writing a letter uh, should happen even if you email or, or tweet a thank you or a note to someone. You should also sit down, take the time, and write a letter as well. Handwritten, right? Handwritten. You know, I've yeah. had people call in or ask about their handwriting and say that, you know, their handwriting is so atrocious so they type all of their letters. No, part of the charm of a written thank you note or a written note of any sort is someone's handwriting. And and quite frankly, if you can't read it, it's not a matter of life and death. You've charmed the person and made them feel good, and that's what's important. Yes. Well, actually, I should uh, hook you up with my sister. She has a thing called, a show called Love Letters. Ah, and it's not just, you know, for lovers. It's for anybody you care about. That's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. thing. I'm going to, uh, after, the phone, after we're done, I'll uh, get you connected with her, too. It's a wonderful thing. What a great, that's a great calling. Yes. So, unfortunately, I think it's about time to say goodbye. Well, I really appreciated talking with you, Jonathan. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And I really appreciated you being with me today and... And I know that you gave value to a lot of people. 
and uh, we shall stay in touch. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Jonathan. Bye-bye. So, everybody, that's the show for today. I'll talk to you next week. Everybody, have a good week, and goodbye for now. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip! with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.